We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Tony Messenger, the Metro columnist for the Post-Dispatch, can write about pretty much what he wants. And lately he's been doing a lot of writing about what in effect are rural Missouri's so-called debtors' prisons. That's when people who are usually poor are jailed for minor crimes when they can't pay the fines or make bail. When released, they are charged for their jail time. If they can't pay, the cycle can start again. Messenger's campaign to end the practice seems to be getting some traction these days, and he joins me now to talk about it and perhaps some other things as well. Tony, great to see you again. Good to see you, Don. How you doing? Good. What got you so interested in this subject? You know, it started about a year and a half ago when I wrote about a woman in St. Francis County named Victoria Branson, and she had been sent to prison by a judge there, Sandra Martinez, who had been overturned by the Supreme Court and the Court of Appeals a couple of different times on similar situations where she was basically sending people to prison uh, because they were behind on court costs and they were poor people and they couldn't afford to pay. And, and, and this is against a long-standing understanding of law, not just the, the prohibition of, of debtors' prison, but something going back to the Magna Carta called the no sale of justice, that, that basically you have to give access to the judicial system to people that have money, don't have money, whatever. So I wrote about Victoria Branson, and after I wrote about her, she ended up uh, getting out of uh, prison. And people started sending me tips about St. Francis County. And I wrote a couple of more uh, pieces about St. Francis County. And then I heard from the public defender's office, and they said, you know, this is a problem all over the state, and, and we're trying to do something about it. And so I started following some of those cases. And I didn't know at that point that there is this massive problem in Missouri where what happens in all of the rural counties except for a couple of them, and it doesn't happen in the urban areas, is that when you go to jail, you get a bill for that jail time, $35 a day, $50 a day, and and then you get billed for that. And so people are going to jail on minor offenses. The, the one that I think drew a lot of people's attention was a young woman from Dent County, lives in Salem, named Brooke Bergen, and she got arrested for shoplifting, an $8 mascara tube. And she ended up, because of an alleged violation of probation by a private probation company doing a year in jail, gets out of jail, uh, ends up uh, allegedly violating probation again. And I say allegedly because one of the things that these private probation companies do is they have an incentive to violate you, so you have to keep paying them. Mm. You don't show up at one of their meetings. You don't, you don't uh, pass a drug test. They put you in jail, basically. She owes $15,000 today, several years after a, a shoplifting case. This is the $8 tube? This is the $8 tube of mascara. And people are just horribly offended by that. And people all over the state, they get it. And, and, and that's, to me, one of the things that has been driving this series is the support that I get from Republicans, from Democrats, from people in the city, from people in rural areas. So many people are offended by this. And as you know, in today's political environment, it's hard to find an issue 
that unites the left and the right. Well, this is it. This is the one issue right now, criminal justice reform, and I'm writing about really just one small part of it that seems to be uniting the left and the right, and that's why I think there's really an opportunity to get something done here. I gather that there are some legislators who have expressed an interest in this current term, perhaps, to, uh, to address this issue. Yes, there are three lawmakers right now that have uh, filed or co-sponsored bills to try to uh, deal with this issue. One of them is Justin Hill. He's a Republican from Lake St. Louis. And he got a bill passed last year, almost unanimously, uh, focused on these private probation companies. They drug test, but they don't drug test on uh, the the state or federal standard that a professional member of the Department of Corrections would do or a member of the uh, probation team that works for the state. So last year they passed a law that says that private probation companies have to use the same federal standard uh, that is used in both federal and state parole cases. So that was progress. But now Justin Hills filed another bill that does two things. One, it says you can't drug test in cases like Brooke Bergen. You know, if you're arrested for shoplifting, there's no justification for you to be mm-hmm. drug tested. So stop doing drug testing as either a case uh, as a requirement of probation or uh, pretrial release. So his bill would get rid of that, take away some of the profit motive for some of these uh, private probation companies. And then it would also add earned compliance to uh, probation in Missouri for, for misdemeanors. That's a concept that already exists for felonies. So here's a great irony in Missouri. If you're convicted of a felony, your probation is easier than if you're convicted of a misdemeanor. Because if you're convicted of a felony, you have earned compliance. And what that means is if you get a two-year probation sentence for every month on the the beginning end that you do everything you're supposed to do, you call your your probation officer, you're trying to get a job, you're staying out of trouble, you lose a month at the end. So two years of probation can become one year of probation if you're doing all the things the court wants you to do. That doesn't exist right now in in misdemeanor cases. And what makes it worse is in misdemeanor cases, you're not being uh, uh, supervised by by probation officers that work for the state. You're being supervised by for-profit probation officers that have a financial incentive to have you as as a repeat customer. Mm -hmm. So you look at the court files of these cases and they are violated constantly on the the smallest things, including the drug Mm -hmm. testing. So this would create an earned compliance for misdemeanors as well. That's one bill. And then uh, State Representative Bruce DeGroat, who's a Republican from Chesterfield, uh, and State Representative Mark Ellibracht, who's a Democrat from Kansas City area, they've combined on a bill that would that would basically change the way that these jail bills are going to people. So what's happening right now is you plead guilty or are found guilty and you serve a certain amount of time in the county jail in all these rural counties and you get a bill for that time. Maybe it's a couple thousand dollars. Your fine might have only been 50 bucks or 100 bucks, but now you owe a couple thousand dollars. Well, the judges are using the court system as a debt collection. So they're making you come back to court month after month to pay 50 bucks to, to show up and say, I don't have money. I do have money. Here's my, here's my payment on my jail bill that for most of these people, they're not going to be able to afford. That's not what the law allows right now. But what uh, DeGroat and Ellibrax bill would do is make it clear that you can't use the criminal court system 
to try to collect these debts. If you're going to charge jail time, you have to only use the civil uh, process. So if you want to go after somebody in collection, you can go after them in collection. If they can't pay and it hurts their uh, their, uh, they have to file bankruptcy or whatever, so be it. But you can't use the criminal courts to threaten them with jail if they don't show up. I don't sure, I'm not sure that I understand what the private probation companies do. How do they work? Well, basically, they are serving the, the, the role that state probation companies used to serve. And so long ago, I don't know exactly when, you know, the state ran out of money, didn't want to use probation officers for misdemeanors or whatever. And so the counties, a lot of these private probation companies were formed, and they now service all of these counties. So they have a contract with, with the county. The county doesn't have to raise taxes to, buy probate, to, to, to hire probation officers to supervise all of these people that they're putting in prison. Instead, these private companies do that, and they charge the defendants. So you get arrested uh, for, for a charge, and you're, you're in jail on bail, and you want to get out. The judge makes you sign a pretrial release form in which you are being supervised by the private probation company. You have to pay them 30 bucks a week or 30 bucks every couple of weeks to be drug tested. You have to pay them a monthly fee. You might have to pay them $300 a month in order to have a GPS angle monitor on. And if you can't afford any of those things, they find you in violation and you go to jail again. And then your jail bill grows, and that's what's really creating the debtor's prisons, is the jail bill and then the judge's using their court system to collect that jail bill. And the private probation is a very important part of this because they are working in conjunction with the judges and the prosecutors to make it easier for them to put people back in jail on these minor offenses. What do they charge for a day in jail or a month in jail or whatever? They're, they're charging anywhere. I found anywhere between $35 and $50 a day um, for time in the county jail. And then... There's a second part of this um, that, that is equally egregious. If you are convicted of a felony in Missouri, then the state actually picks up the time that you might have spent in the county jail, usually in, on pretrial pre basis. So there is a built-in incentive all over Missouri for prosecutors to charge you with a felony even though they could probably settle on a misdemeanor because if they charge you on a misdemeanor, they can't charge the state for the tax bill. So they convict you of a felony and then they charge – then the tax bill goes to the state. They can't bill the state unless they find that you are indigent or insolvent. So you have to be poor. They certify that you're poor and you had a public defender and so they know you're poor. They send the bill to the state. The state pays the bill and what's happening in some of these counties is you get out of prison and then they double bill you. They give you the bill anyway. This I wrote about a woman this week named Tamara Tidwell. She lives down in Anniston, which is in Mississippi County in the southeast part of the state. The state paid her $960 bill. She lives on SSI. That's all she has, disability payments. Federal government says you can't actually uh, take disability payments for use of, of court costs, but the state doesn't care. And so they're trying to get 
$900 out of her even though they already got paid by the state. So you and I already paid her jail bill and helped that county reimburse its expenses and they're trying to double dip. I just don't – I can't fathom how they're able to get away with this. I mean that's double dipping. It's uh, clear. They, they've been able to get away with it for so long because – for a couple of reasons. One, nobody's been paying attention. Uh, two for a long period until of, now, don't until me. now, and 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 now there's a lot of people paying attention. This is this has drawn some, uh, some some big uh, legal minds across the country that are filing amicus briefs in two of these cases that are now before the Missouri Supreme Court. So there's a lot of people paying attention, um, but the nature of criminal justice in some of these small counties is if you want to be the prosecutor, if you want to be the county commissioner, if you want to be the judge, you got to be tough on crime. Same for the state rep, same for the state senator. Everybody's got to be tough on crime. We're going to put people in jail. We're going to put people in jail. Then all of a sudden they find out, well, we've, we filled up the jail and it's an old jail and we, and, and we need a new jail. We, we, we can't go to our taxpayers for money. They're not going to, they're not going to build a new jail. So let's, let's just add some more court costs on and let's keep taking the money out of the poor people. And they just create this vicious cycle where this whole group of people in a lot of these rural counties, they just know I'm going back to jail again. I'm going back. I can't get a job because I got to mm-hmm. go back to court every month. It's just a money-making proposition for these uh, for these jurisdictions. It's exactly what it is. Yeah, boy, um, we have a caller here who wants to get into the conversation, hoping uh, that that uh, she may be able to help somehow. Cynthia in town and country, go ahead. You're on the air with Tony Messenger. Hey, thank you very much. I want to thank you, Mr. Messenger, for the. Uh, work that the series that you've done on this topic. Um, I'm a volunteer with an organization called Result, and I train people on how they can advocate to Congress on issues of poverty. And I was struck by what you just said about they get away with it because nobody's paying attention. So I'd like to ask you to describe a little bit. I can imagine there's people out there thinking, this is a terrible situation, but I can't really do anything. Could you describe maybe how everyday citizens could help you to get attention on this and Maybe it's writing letters to the editor in response or sending your pieces on to members of Congress. And um, if you have time, maybe even a few words about um, you know, tips or suggestions for getting our own op-eds published on um, you know, issues that are, are this important to uh, people struggling in poverty in our community. <laughs> Sure. Well, I mean, a couple of things. First of all, I'm always a big advocate of letters to the editor. I used to be the editorial page, and they're always looking for them, and they've published a lot on on this topic. So uh, send your letters to letters at post-dispatch.com, and uh, um, a gentleman named Frank Royce will get back to you and, and, and hopefully get some of those printed. But because this issue is going to be before the legislature this session, um, Find those lawmakers, uh, Bruce DeGroote, Mark Ellibrack, Justin Hill, and 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 find the the pieces of legislation that they're pushing, and find out when they're going to be in hearings, and go and testify, and be there, and show support for for uh, these pieces of legislation, because this is going to be one of those unique opportunities where left and right are going to be together on this issue. So uh, find some of your neighbors who you might normally disagree with politically and talk about this issue and see if there's a way that 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 you can go together uh, to advocate for this. Um, the Supreme Court's going to have a case, uh, actually two cases that that are going to be argued on on uh, February 6th in which the Missouri Supreme Court, 
uh, in which they're going to, to answer the question whether or not it's legal for the courts to be used uh, as a collection debt collector in these specifically in these jail bill cases. So follow that. Use social media. I mean, you know, social media is a uh, uh, a curse and a promise sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. but but it is a place in which a lot of national um, organizations, nonprofit legal groups have started to follow this issue from the Bail Project to Arch City Defenders to the uh, Fair Fee and Fine Center. Um, there's lots of interest in the legal community in, in this issue right now. And talking about it on social media is one way to sort of uh, uh, build the narrative as well. I wanted to ask you about the role of the Supreme Court. Doesn't the Supreme Court have some side of some sort of oversight responsibility over the lower courts? It does. And, and this is one of the things that fascinates me about this issue. You know, uh, August 9th, 2014 started a very important discussion in this community uh, about a lot of issues. But one of the underlying issues that the legislature ended up dealing with and the Missouri Supreme Court ended up dealing with is these out-of-control municipal courts that were doing much the same thing, that were taking advantage of poor people in order to collect money for, for municipalities that didn't have it. And so they were using traffic tickets and fines and then warrants. And then when people would miss a court date, they would end up in jail basically because they're poor and couldn't afford their tickets. This is a version of that story, but it's happening in rural Missouri and it's happening all over the state. One of the issues when people like me three, four years ago were pushing the Missouri Supreme Court to rein in these municipal courts is there was a legal theory that the the Supreme Court couldn't control the municipal courts, that they were actually bodies of the legislature, bodies of the municipality, and the Supreme Court couldn't control them. Ultimately, the Supreme Court came down on the right side and issued some new rules to limit the abuses that were going on in the municipal courts. There's no issue here between the, between the control that the Supreme Court should be able to exercise over the judges in its circuit court. What I suspect is going to happen is this. I suspect that the Supreme Court, before it issues any new rules, will wait until this case comes through that uh, there's a couple of cases before it that they're going to argue on February 6th. I suspect the Supreme Court is going to rule on the proper side and uh, as the Court of Appeals already has and say that this practice is illegal. It's not in statute. It's, it's, hopefully they'll go even a step further and say it's unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. After that case has been adjudicated, I would suspect the Supreme Court might exert itself in terms of either reinforcing existing rules or perhaps publishing a new rule to tell its circuit courts you can't be used in this way. Because if you ask the circuit judges that are doing this, they'll say, I'm not operating a debtor's prison. Mm -hmm. I'm putting people in jail who don't show up to court. They're in contempt. But they're showing up to court with the threat of jail without a public defender because their case has ended. So they're not receiving proper uh, due process. They're not receiving the proper legal uh, help that they could receive to make sure that they're not going to jail. And they're then going to jail. And it's all under the auspices of collecting money. So I would suspect the Supreme Court may come down with some rules 
But I think they'll probably rule on the case first so that they can kind of separate the, the issues a little bit. Only 30 seconds left. You say there's some momentum building for reform in this area. Very, very quickly, what, what do you make of what Wesley Bell is doing in St. Louis County now with regard to this sort of thing? I, I love what he's doing because it's the same sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's saying basically we're not going to use our courts to take advantage of poor people. We're going to use our courts to try to keep people safe and and achieve justice. It is not just to put people in jail just because they don't have money. Well, uh, Tony Messenger, I want to thank you so much for being with us today and also for what you're doing. Obviously, it's an important story and has a, an impact on an awful lot of people. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Terrific to see you. Tony Messenger, columnist for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU.